A fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avtson, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is 101.9 High FM. My name is Levi Avtson of Linksfield Show, talking to you on this Tuesday, 17th of March, as we come towards the end of the month of Adar, in a world which is so unfamiliar for all of us. Nobody can claim they've ever been through this before. It's a new universe and a world in which we're all seeking a bit of perspective. That's what we want to bring about today. No absolute answers. Obviously, it's an unfolding situation, but some insights, discussions, thoughts at this time on this journey. However, before we go into the journey, I want to play a song which perhaps will give a bit of context. And this is a song by... This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. What a world. Wow. I guess anybody who claims to know what's going on is either a prophet or a false prophet... So I want to start off with a few qualifications. Qualification number one, I'm not a doctor. What I do know is that Torah tells us to listen to the doctors in medical conditions, and therefore, before we say anything further, whatever recommendations come from the medical community, from government, on how to protect ourselves and our loved ones and the general society, it's paramount that we keep that. It's not negotiable. And yes, humor is an incredible tool, and thank God the amount of humor that's been coming out of this whole experience has been keeping a lot of us entertained, but the humor is there as a nice extra, a nice bonus, but in no way does it supplement the facts, and that is that we have to protect ourselves. I could say personally, I have very close family members who have been infected by the virus. It it is scary, it hurts, it is personal, it's real. And you don't need me to tell that to you. You know it yourself. The whole world is agreeing on one thing. <laughs> I don't recall any time in my lifetime that everybody agreed on the same thing, whether it's dictatorships and democracies, right-wing, left-wing, pro-this, pro-that, every color, every race, every opinion. Everyone seems to be agreeing, besides maybe a 2% of conspiracy theorists that think the whole thing's a hoax, I would imagine that 98% of people are agreeing that something is going on and it's quite serious. And that's the first qualification. The second qualification I have to give is it's very tempting to come, specifically as a religious leader or as somebody who claims to have a, you know, some sense of moral leadership, whether it's a, a leader in business, a leader in religion, a leader in ethics, whatever it is, many of us, or just being bloggers, it's very easy to come and sit there saying, I know why this is going on, and this is why. I mean, just today I saw three different rabbis in Israel and across the world saying with absolute conviction, this is why God is doing that to me. Now, unless they have been exposed to prophecy, uh, I strongly doubt it. Now, why do I doubt it? It could be they're right. 
But there's a very big difference between suggesting something and declaring something. In other words, what I want to do during the show together with you is to suggest some lessons, some takings that we could take from this whole experience we're going through as a collective in real time. But these are suggestions. They're just my personal reflections. I cannot tell you with any sense of certainty that it is what God wants us to take out of it. Until God doesn't reveal himself and tell me this is the lesson, or he sends a prophet with that information, these are suggestions. And there's a very big difference between the two, because suggestions can inspire us. Suggestions consider telling us, you know, it's time that we become more united, we become more conscious about certain things. Those are suggestions which we all have to grow from. You have suggestions, I have suggestions, and together as a humanity, as a the seven billion of us facing the same threat, we try to inspire one another to grow and face these challenges with dignity, etc. Those are suggestions. But coming and claiming this is why God does it, gosh, people have been trying to do that for the entire human history, using God as a tool to push their own agenda. It's very we have to be very cautious of that. So yes. I'll give you an example. Many people are saying that this is a sign of the redemption. And I believe everything that happens in this world is a sign of redemption because ultimately we're told that one of the 13 principles of faith in Judaism is Mashiach's going to come and it's going to lead us to redemption. But is this a specific sign? How is it a sign? I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps we could be inspired by seeing the sign, perhaps not. Personally, I struggle with this idea that every time something bad happens to the world, people see it as a sign of Mashiach, and when good things happen to this world, we see it as a sign of progress, as a look at technology, we've done so incredible. In other words, Mashiach has become this kind of solution to challenges versus a buildup of goodness in the world. So I struggle when I see these moments turn into Mashiach fever rather than moments of generosity, greatness, when the world seems to be relatively running well and beautiful, to see that as progress. But be it as it may, whatever you see in it, it's important to just be grounded and see them as suggestions. It's an ongoing journey. I'll be honest, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, living here in South Africa, the last 72 hours has changed us so many times. You wake up in the morning, by the time you go to sleep and that your head is banging, you're just like, don't know what just happened. I thought schools were staying open. I thought this is happening. I thought we could have a wedding. The whole thing is changing at such a, such a quick pace. So to come with an assertiveness, with an absolute conviction, instead of saying, this is what's going on, it's extremely tempting. I mean, like, could you imagine how much um, you know, moral gravitas somebody can have by coming and asserting that this is why something is going on? But I'm very cautious of that. I feel very uncomfortable in that space. I feel very uncomfortable when I hear people in that space. Because ultimately all we're doing is we're having a conversation. We're having a conversation of suggestions. Maybe, maybe not. And I would love to hear your thoughts. And I would love to to keep this as a conversation. What do you think? What do you think we can take out of this thing? What can Hashem be telling us? Here is what I know. I know that at some stage we're going to come out of this. Three months, six months, two months, please God, even shorter. At some stage we're going to come out of it, and it's going to be a memory for each and every one of us. It'll be one of those moments. Those moments in life that there's a before and an after. 
for me, the only moment I had, not the only moment, actually, I had a, a moment when, you know, my leader, Lubavitch um, Rebbe, passed away. That was, for me, a very strong before and after. But other than that, the only moment in my life that I could claim a, a, a before and after on a global scale, obviously, my marriage, my first child, is 9-11. I witnessed 9-11. I was actually living in New York at the time in Yeshiva on the top floor, had a straight look out to the beautiful horizon of Manhattan, and I saw with my own eyes, not through the TV, how the second plane went into the second tower. And the aftermath, I just stood there staring for days onto the skyline, seeing the smoke coming and just trying to figure out what in the world. And there was a before and after. Whoever lived through 9-11 or remembers 9-11 will know that there's a before and after in this world. And for me, this is one of those moments as well, and I'm sure you'll agree, before coronavirus and after coronavirus. A lot of things are going to change. Some stuff we know, some stuff we don't know. But here is one question that we have to ask ourselves at this stage, as it's just the beginning. I don't believe we've hit the tipping point, please God, we have. But we're at the beginning of this journey. We have to ask ourselves, when I come out of this, will I be proud of my character? How has my character survived this journey? Did I bring out the best in myself? Did I look at myself through the toughest moments and say, wow, I've discovered that I have resilience. I've discovered that I'm not a gossiper. I've discovered that I have empathy to victims rather than blame the victims. I've discovered that I'm a moral, ethical, grounded person who doesn't lose themselves in a moment of chaos. These are one of the moments in our lives that are testing us in real time. This is reality TV in the most serious word. You know, reality TV, by now I'm sure you know, if you watch TV, it's not reality. This is reality TV. I'm not sure if anybody's you know, pressing play. But if somebody wants to document this in real time, what's going on in our world? This is, we're all living through an experience together. And unlike 9-11, that it was a New York situation that maybe affected everybody, this is a global situation affecting everybody, and we're all living it in real time. And how are you doing? How are you living in real time? How is it affecting you? Those are the moments that we really, the questions we have to ask ourselves. And so many more. Before I go, I want to give another optimistic song. Not necessarily how I'm feeling, but how I want to feel. And it's a hopeful song from Mordechai and David that's called Happy Days. Many happy days are coming. Something to look forward to. And we'll continue immediately after the music here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Yachtin of Linksfield Show. Coronavirus, gosh, what else is there to talk about? Got up in Shul on Friday night and I said I want to talk about what's on everybody's mind, the price of matzah and pick and pay. Gosh, do you remember when that was our worry? Who knows what the price of matzah is this year, and I'll be honest, I don't think it's on anybody's top list of 120 worries. So, Let's start with a simple question. If this, if what we're going through now is an experiment, okay, playing totally what's if, this will be one of a fascinating experiment because for the first time since technology's taken on our lives, 
and become literally a part of our universe, whether it was the original technology a hundred years ago, phones, radio, WhatsApp, smartphones, the whole story. It's for the first time that pretty much most of us will only be communicating through technology. In other words, we often blame it's the young people who don't really realize and don't know how to have conversations face-to-face. It's the new generation. This is an experiment. Pretty much billions of people will only be communicating with one another through technology. Many of them, even with their closest family members who are in quarantine or in isolation. And the next few months is going to be a fascinating experiment on what happens when you take away human interaction or what they're calling social distancing. What happens to us? Till now we've had half studies and we've been able to see it, how it integrates in our life. We have things that we blame on it. Almost every single thing going wrong in our world is blamed on social technology, as social uh, communication. I find that to be a bit too simplistic, as if the world was perfect till Facebook came onto the scene, conversation for another time. But now we're actually going to see what a world looks like without anything other than technology. No touch. Which, by the way, as an aside, it's a very interesting thing. You know, growing up religious with distances between genders, etc., one of the things that the religion tries to impress on you is the power of touch and therefore to keep it for the correct people, the correct spaces. And if there's another little thing that we're learning out of this whole process is the power of touch. Whoever thought a handshake is more than a handshake? How many times have I heard it? Oh, Rabbi, a handshake is just a handshake. Really? Who's saying that now? I'm just watching a bunch of, you might call them paranoid, cautious, OCD, based on your uh, frame of reference, people just wiping and washing their hands a hundred times a day, and all the doctors are recommending us to do that. Soaping and uh, every other thing to, you know, clean our hands, 70% alcohol, the whole story. Touch is nothing, they told us, huh? Really? So, touch is out. Talking face-to-face is out because we're talking even when we meet people from two meters away. That's when we meet them. This morning I had a conversation with somebody, we had a plan to meet, and we ended up having a nice WhatsApp video call for 15 minutes. Even the radio station, I didn't come into the radio station today, just for caution. I'm sitting in my show office, I'm talking to you through Skype. So even the radio is a technology, Skype's its own technology. I'm not sitting in the Chai FM studio, I'm not picking up its atmosphere. Hopefully my atmosphere in my office has its own energy and I'm trying to, you know, bring it with me. But ultimately, this is the absolute takeover of technology. Unless there's load shedding, of course, locally. But pretty much the only thing that's working right now is technology. I mean, you can't even get toilet paper. So what will a world with just technology look like? I think this is going to be quite a mirror to us. It's going to be, and again, I'm no prophet. I don't know what's going to be, but I know that this journey of not seeing people, this experience 
of being isolated, quarantine, whatever word you use, is going to have huge teaching moments for us. I think it's a wake-up call. Not that I'm saying God's waking us up again. I'm not claiming to know what God wants. I'm asking what lessons we could learn. I think it's going to be a real mirror on, on where we're at. And it's going to remind us more than ever how desperately we need one another. That we need human connection. Because it's often said the younger generation forgot about human connection. I find often it's the older generation as well. How many people go out and hang around in community, whether it's a religious community, whether it's a golf community, how many people belong to community? Loneliness is the biggest epidemic in our world, most probably bigger than coronavirus. As one person texted me today and says, Rabbi, I'm not sure which one's worse, the loneliness or the coronavirus. I personally think the loneliness. This is forcing loneliness on all of us. We're all experiencing in real time what it means that I can only talk to you through a WhatsApp. I can talk to you through Skype, but I cannot see you. I cannot engage with you. I cannot shake your hand, give you a hug. I cannot be in your space. And I hope that for me personally, it will give, give me a deeper appreciation of human connection. A deeper appreciation that every moment with a human being, so much is being transferred. Because if Literally spending a few moments with somebody infected could affect me with the coronavirus in the negative. There's a famous principle that the Torah tells us, and that is, if something in the negative is powerful, how much more powerful it is in the positive. Every interaction we have with a human being going forward will hopefully have a little, if not a lot more meaning. Interactions are not just simple interactions. Real things are happening. I mean, literally, people are affecting the whole world in a negative sense through simple interactions. How much goodness can come to interactions? Often we cheapen interactions. We cheapen a handshake. We We cheapen a nice conversation. But suddenly we realize this stuff is real. Physically, biologically, real stuff happens when we're in a room together. How much more so spiritually? Whether it was last week's parsha that we learned the laws of impurity in the Mafter, we read the story of Para, the whole laws of the red heifer, the laws of purity and impurity. And I'll be honest, growing up in a modern world where purity and impurity, spiritual impurity, is not that practiced, other than you know, in the laws of family purity between a husband and wife and for Kohanim. It's not a big part of life the way it used to be in temple times. I never appreciate this idea. You walk into a room where a dead person's in and you become impure. Suddenly you realize what physical impurity is. You just walked into a room and you're infected. And you get in the spiritual sense, you walk into a space, you're also affected. You walk into a room and you pick up an energy. Atmosphere means something. Not only are particles of pathogens being flown around every room we walk into, but particles of energy, whether positive or negative, are around us and we are putting out there into our world. And that's why the famous expression that people say, think good will be good, I think in today's vernacular, in today's world, it gets a different context. It's not just this hocus pocus. We literally create energies. I mean, think about this pathogen, which is one billionth 
the size of a meter, which one Chinaman ate a bat, and literally from this tiny pathogen that our naked eye cannot see, changed the world. He disrupted the world in a way that I don't believe the world has ever been disrupted because yes, certain civilizations have been disrupted, whether it was Europe through war, etc. But to go across the entire world, and remember, we're now living in a world where we discovered all the seven continents, a world where we, you know, we know what the universe is, we pretty much know where everybody lives, etc. To affect in such a small time everything, every being by a pathogen, a billion the size of a meter. What does that say, first of all, about the naked eye? And here, let me go on another tangent, because there's so many things to discuss. Often, we, we play this game, oh, Rabbi, if only God would show himself to me, I would believe in him. Which my response is, if God showed himself, you wouldn't believe in him, you would actually know him, you would see him, you wouldn't have to believe. We worship the power of the naked eye. But, but ultimately, where the single biggest effect on us right now is something that the naked eye cannot see. Truth is even technology that I'm talking to you right now, you're not saying anything through and we're living in a world that the invisible is so powerful in a positive sense and unfortunate negative sense. Something that literally 99% of civil, civilization, 0.9, who don't have such microscopes cannot see what COVID-19 looks like. And yet it's here, it's undeniable, it's affecting us. The power of the invisible, the power of, or rather the weakness of our own perception, where we think we know what's going on, but there's so many, so many layers. So we're living in a world where a virus that we cannot see is connecting us to a technology we cannot see. Asking questions of meaning, which are things that we cannot see. Meaning doesn't actually have a visual description. Trying to make sense, trying to find meaning in this world, of a world that seems out of control, because for so many of us, the world we live in is supposed to make sense. And the world is not making sense. The world seems to be totally against every sense of what we consider normal. And we have to get used to, at least for a short while, a world where something that we cannot see, it's not a nuclear war, it's not a gun, it's not a mobster, it's not a thing our head can get around. This invisible, tiny, minuscule energy has changed our lives. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avton on 101.9 High FM. Rabbi Levi Avton of Linksfield Show, and we're here talking about, you guessed it, Coronavirus and some uh, discussion, some thought, some take-home message, some, we have a lot of time on our hands, many of us right now, some things to think about. Again, 
nothing with definite, just suggestions, directions of thought, conversation starters, as we're sitting in our, you know, locked in our own minds or with our small intimate family, if they're not isolated from us, things to really think about. You know, many of us, whether taught or assumed, think that life is math. What do I mean math? Math is one of the most important subjects in school. Now, math, when you often ask people who are passionate about math why they like math, the, the usual answer will be, it makes so much sense. It fits. In the most simplistic level, 2 plus 2 equals 4. There is rhyme, there's reason, there's logic. And many of us live in a world in which, in order to stay sane, we convince ourselves that the only way to stay sane is to look at life as a mathematical equation, where pretty much it goes something like this. If you get an education, if you exercise, if you, I don't know, take care of your health and look good and get a good job, then your life will turn out like this, that. If you emigrate from a country of violence and you go to a first world country, your life will turn out to be perfect. Your life will play out, decision leads to consequence, everything fits. Now, personally, I think anybody who thinks that life is a mathematical lesson has learned zero history, because if there's anything, life is much less, you know, left-brain mathematics and much more what you'll call art. In other words, it's very different. It's totally unequal. It totally doesn't fit consequence versus action. Yes, sometimes you put in a lot of effort to get reward, but it's not like that. You emigrate to Australia and you end up with wildfires. You make decisions in life, you take a job, and 10 years of time, technology takes you a job and it's 16. Life doesn't work like that. And yet, all too often we find ourselves as parents telling our kids these simplistic mathematical so-called truths. If you do this, this will happen. Versus the time we're living right now, that this is totally not a mathematical equation. You know, remember those simple times that virus only happened in computers? <laughs> we're living in a time that virus in humans 2020. So now everybody's finding the Bill Gates video from 2015. He's a prophet or some woman that wrote a thing in 2000 where she guessed that 2020 something's going to happen, fine, it's very easy to be a prophet. Again, I could throw 30 prophecies out right now. Chances are one of them will be true, and hopefully in 10 years' time you'll all say I was a prophet. Regardless, who ever thought that what's going to bring the world to a standstill in 2020 will be a pathogen from a bat in Wuhan, China? I promise you that if I had written this up, as a script and sent it to a Hollywood producer to be either in the zombie genre or the sci-fi genre, they would not accept it. Ridiculous. This is not the world that we thought we're living in. And another thing, this is the middle class wealthy people sickness because it's people who are traveling around the world who are bringing this. Did you ever think that that part of civilization would bring the issues? Or did we often feel sitting in, in, in our privileged lives and nah, 
It's the lower socioeconomic community that plagues take over. They're the ones that pass around viruses. We're immune. We live in our bubbles. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Well, if this does not shake us out of our fantasy that life is man, if this does not shake us out of our fantasy that we're in control, then what does? This is a moment to let go. In this week's parsha, at the beginning of the parsha, by Yakel Moshe, Moshe gathers the Jewish people and he tells them about Shabbos. Although the Jewish people had already heard about Shabbos, even before Sinai, we're told that they heard it in a place called Mara, where they stopped immediately after the splitting of the sea. And then they heard it again as the fourth of the fifth com- of the Ten Commandments at Sinai. Once again, Moshe Rabbeinu comes and tells them, Shabbos! Why Shabbos? The gift of Shabbos is not that you don't drive. The gift of Shabbos is not that you shut off your phone. Which, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be totally living in a technological world. I really hope we all shut our phones just one day. We often paint Shabbos as just an escape from technology. No! Fundamentally, Shabbos is the day that I give back my allure of control. For six days a week, I live in a so-called alternate reality where I think I'm in control. Where I think that based on how many hours I work, that's how much I earn. Where I think that life runs based on me. And if I'm successful, it's all to my credit. And if I'm a failure, it's all to somebody else's problem. Where life seems to be totally within human control. One day a week I come in and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, take it. God, take it back. Truth is, it was always in your control for the six days as well. But for that one day a week, we focus and we say, Hashem, I don't even think I'm in control. For six days a week, I got lost in the fantasy, I got lost in this world, and I thought maybe for a fleeting moment that life is in my control. One day a week, I don't work. One day a week, I don't do anything other than simply living and engaging with family and my spiritual self. And I give control back to the Creator. We are living now in a collective Shabbos moment where we all are having this awareness that we are not in control. And I'll be honest, some people, maybe who are, you know, by nature the control freaks, are finding that they're hating this. But I actually find it quite relieving. I'll be honest, I'm loving this. I'm not loving the sickness, you know, unfortunately. I'm loving this experience of going through and saying, gosh, you know, you really are in control, God. Like, I don't, I can't even fool myself that I'm in control. It's actually a pleasure to be in your hands, God. Thanks for having me. And I hope you guide me well. This is 101.9. Hi FM, my name is Rabbi Levi Afton. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. I was listening to that ad, and one of the ads was talking about, you know, educating our children and the best place to raise our children. These next two months, for argument's sake, I don't know how long this is going to last. 
dear I say, will be two of the most impactful months of our children's and grandchildren's lives. I'm, I'm willing to put myself out there and say that. Why? Because they are living together with us through a moment of challenge. And at this moment, we can teach them. And I'll focus on the positive instead of on the negative. We can teach them, teach them compassion, resilience, self-discipline, creating a schedule even when the schedule is not made for you. Compassion to people who are suffering rather than judging and blame. Character building. Keep them, you know, show them how a marriage works under stress. Show them how our sanity works under stress. Show them our faith under stress. We could often tell them, oh, believe in God, but they want to see in us. Do you believe? They want to look in our eyes, whether consciously or subconsciously. I'm not sure if they even know it themselves, but they want to look in our eyes and know that we are at peace. I'm not saying that we're not a little scared, a little stressed out, but we're at peace. We're not frenetic. We're not panicked. We're not losing our minds. Forgive me for this question. With the current uh, percentage of uh, death rates, which is way under 1%, and personally I think it's even lower because the amount of declared, non-declared cases, I know personally of dozens of people who haven't declared their coronavirus, it's even a small percent. There's a tiny, tiny percent, especially for younger people, a chance of death. And yet, the terror of death. And I want to ask a question. Yeah, none of us want to die, I agree. And obviously, first and foremost, we're taking care of the older people. But I want to ask you a simple question, whether you're a person in your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Why do you want to live so badly? Sorry for that question. Why do you want to live so badly? You know for 100% sure that you don't want to die. So much so that you won't put yourself in a tiny, tiny, tiny percent of a risk and some of us will name and shame and go in an absolute panic. I went to Woolworths yesterday, and guess what? There was no toilet paper. I asked the guy, why is there no toilet paper? He says, well, people saw the video in Australia about toilet paper. He says, you know, we export toilet paper to out of this country. That's how much we have. Yeah, but nevertheless, the shelves are empty. We're so desperate to live. We're so desperate to protect ourselves. Awesome. That's a good thing. No, no comment. In no way am I saying throw caution to the wind. But while you have a lot of time sitting in your house counting your rolls of toilet paper, maybe ask yourself a simple question. Why do you want to live so badly? It's a silly question, but it's a good question. I've asked that question of myself many times. I've asked that question to teenagers many times. Why? What is a life worth living? Why do I want to live? And do I want to walk out of these two months, because I, please God, 99.99% of us will walk out of this. I, do I want to walk out with my character intact and strengthened? Do I want to walk out being proud of the journey I've been in? Do I want to look into the eyes of my children and see that I've earned a new level of respect because they've seen my character, because they've seen my value on humanity, my value on health, my value of compassion, my value on faith, my value on life itself. Because God Almighty, do I pray to Hashem that each and every one of us 
can walk out with our dignity not only intact, but our dignity strengthened. Finishing off, my name is Rabbi Levi Aftin from Inkspiritual. I wish you and yours healthy journey ahead. May the journey be as short as possible. May we come out stronger. And I'll finish with a song. It's in Hebrew, but a beautiful message. It's from Mordechai and David. It's called Al Yaesh. Don't give up. A perfect message. This is 101.9. Chai FM.